0: win some money along the way. So be sure to subscribe to the Ringer Gambling feed on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. There's no better feeling than a personal win and the State Farm personal price plan can help you do just that. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with the personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings and eligibility vary by state.
2: Welcome to Extra Point. Take it. Sheil Kapadia joined by Ben Solak. Wild card weekend is over. We've got eight teams left. The Bills are one of those teams. The Steelers are not one of those teams. The Bucks are one of those teams. The Eagles are not one of those teams. We've got seven job openings. And do we have more coming? Who knows? Jim Harbaugh meeting with the Chargers. Bill Belichick interviewing with the Falcons. So much going on. Benny Souls. how you feeling? Yeah, what a wild card weekend.
0: Just five blowouts and then also nail-biting Lions Rams, the most drama you've ever seen in your entire life. We did this for Jared Goff bonanza. Uh super wild card weekend, man. It produces some stinkers. Just some absolute just some 25 point differential. What have you? Uh fun weekend though. Good moments, good times. F- playoff football, baby. Feels different.
2: Playoff football, eight teams left. All right, here's what we're going to do. Uh we're going to talk Eagles Bucks. We're going to talk Steelers-Bills, and then we're going to get to some of the other stuff. It could be takeaways from this weekend. It could be coaching stuff. I don't know. It could be what we expect to happen in like the next 72 hours, because this is going to be a busy week in the NFL with all the coaching stuff and everything else that's happening. So, Benjamin Solak, start us off. What do you got? You have an Eagles-Bucks take for us.
0: Yeah, uh, we do the Philly Special Shield, and so anybody and everybody who wants our Eagles takes, I can go check that out. That's promotion right there cross potting all right you go go give me those views give me those clicks um though i'm sure we'll we'll bring up something about the eagles if we want to my take uh, about about the buccaneers is that i'm really fascinated to see how this baker mayfield contract situation manifests itself here for 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 tampa bay uh baker mayfield right uh they i think they did a nice job there in the fourth quarter detailing kind of what his experience was last year uh this panthers job and then benched mid-season and he ends up with the rams and uh, Sean McVay told him, "Listen, like you know, we we ain't going to the postseason or nothing. Like we're we're gonna rebuild. you here. Just go out there and rip it, dude. Just go out there and have fun. Like like, like just go out and play some ball. And and that was apparently like a big, you know, kind of lighting a uh, li- uh, lightning of the shoulders for Baker, a lifting of the yoke. And so, all right, he has a, a different perspective now on on playing quarterback. He signs with the Bucks on on a deal that was so small, Sheila, a one year, four million dollar deal. that has got void years in the future. It's so small." that Kyle Trask, his backup quarterback, it was going to be a camp competition, a, a serious enough camp competition. You and I were betting denim jackets on this thing <laughs> 25 weeks ago, man. I mean, like, we, we, we this, uh, Baker Mayfield just won a postseason game, and in the month of August, we were talking about how likely it was that Kyle Trask was going to get a crack at this job. So Baker's on this, this $4 million deal. It's a tiny deal. He's up, obviously, next season. What he has right now with Dave Canales, who's the offensive coordinator there, who's, who's a, a guy that I really like. I, I'm, I'm, I'm. The more and more I watch of Canales offensive offense, I'm like, oh, this is a smart cookie. Like this makes sense to me. Like, they do stuff off of one another, and they they know how to maximize their playmakers. They know how to get a lot of juice out of guys who aren't, you know, known as playmakers. You get the Trey Palmer touch, you get your David Moore touch. Rashad White has improved a lot. I think that offensive line has improved a lot. I think Baker has improved a lot. Uh, Mike Evans even. Uh, Evans, man, on the left, which offense? He ran three routes. They got Evans with a full route tree now. Again, like, it's just a smart offense. So he's got Baker's working nicely with Dave Canales' the offense that works for him, makes sense for him. Uh, he's got a, a great receiving core, obviously, with Chris Godwin and Mike Evans. We, you've, you've two top solid rock steady receivers. They complement each other nicely. You can push the ball down the field. That offensive line, Tristan Works, moves to the left. You have a great setup there. Baker can continue to be successful in this format. Baker's not a top 10 quarterback to me. I don't think he's like a. You know, we're going to have like a Geno vault where he like suddenly goes and starts doing like really high level, complex, high difficulty stuff the way Geno has. But this certainly feels like a guy who can be a starting quarterback and hold down a job and, and it, more than a bridge, less than an impact starter. He's an average starter. And there's nothing wrong with that. Only there's an issue, which is that Dave Canales has taken head coaching interviews. Mike Evans is a free agent, right? Uh, this 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 environment works nicely for Baker. But the plan for the Bucks was kind of always to say, okay, like, We'll kind of feel out this year, and then we'll see if we want to commit to an offense that Baker Mayfield and commit to this in the future, or if we want to kind of tear down and get younger and, and, and enter the future. Are we going to keep Todd Bowles? Are we not going to keep Todd Bowles? This is one of the last eight teams standing. This is, they, they, they won the division. They didn't win it pretty, but they won the division. They just beat the Eagles. The Eagles are not a good team. They're a fake good team, but they beat them. So now you're in this tricky spot where you play in the divisional round, and you like your guys. You like Todd Bowles, and you like Baker. How much do you like them? How much do you like? Well, how much money do you like Baker Mayfield for? Do you like him for thirty? Do you like him for thirty-two? Like him for thirty-four? Like I don't. I I have been impressed with Baker this year. I don't like him with that number. And if you're choosing to move off of the Baker Mayfield of it, then you're choosing a world in which all right, it probably makes sense to seriously consider the Mike Evans contract. I think you bring him back since Mike Evans and he's the franchise. But like, you have to have that conversation. If you lose Dave Canales, what's what's the plan there afterwards? Like, they're at a very very tricky crossroads. The cross. You, you don't have to deal with the crossroads yet. If you lost, you would. But you know, you can deal with it next week and go visit the Lions. Probably get beat around the, the yard a little bit. That'll be okay. Um, but this is a, uh, the, the further that Baker pushes this, and he, he performed well against the Eagles. He played well. He plays another good game against the Lions, win or lose. It becomes a really sticky situation where, where you, you have to be honest about how good Baker can possibly be and kind of what the ceiling is there. While also wanting to acknowledge you need to reward a guy for winning the job, holding it down and performing the way he did. He won you the division. He won you a playoff game. Really, really. And, and this with the Dave Canales potential move with the Mike Evans contract going on. A lot of balls in the air for the Buccaneers to juggle here when we as we approach the offseason.
2: Yeah, they're in a weird spot as a franchise. We both thought they were going stink, to uh, stink this season. Under six Dave. and a half
0: wins better. Ben Solak right here.
2: Yeah, th- there you go. So now they're in the divisional round of the playoffs. I mean, so first of all, like, Great job by them. This was supposed to be a season where they didn't do anything post Tom Brady era. The, you know, they kind of get their cap in order. They figure out their roster. What direction do they want to go in? And here they are. They win the division. Uh, they killed the Eagles in the first round. They're a well-coached team. I mean, I'm always going to have issues with some of the game management stuff with Todd Bowles, but he is a terrific defensive coach. Uh, you you saw what they did today. I mean, they put Jalen Hurts and that Eagles offense in a blender. And and then the other thing I like about Todd Bowles, He went outside. This should be like a lesson to coaches. Like he didn't know Dave. This wasn't someone he worked with for eight years. Or like this was someone he did not know. He did a search. Who do I want to hire as my offensive coordinator? Who's doing good things offensively that I like? Who will I interview? And he takes a shot on a guy. What a process! What a novel process NFL head coaches to search kind you know cast a wide net and try to find the best person for the job rather than some guy you went to college with twenty five years ago. Oh my gosh! It can actually pay dividends. So he absolutely deserves credit uh, for that as well. And their offense. I mean, they're squeezing everything out of that offense. Like, this is what you want. I always say the more with less stuff. I mean, you, you can't argue that there are like a bunch of coaches who would be getting more out of this Bucks offense. You simply cannot. So uh, Dave Canales deserves credit. Now, I do think the most likely scenario is obviously, and there are surprises all the time. We'll do our preview show on Friday. Most likely scenario is they lose to the Lions next week. Mm-hmm. And then I think they probably just need like a breather. Like, all right, let's, that was a fun year. Let's reset. What do we want to do now? I don't think it's necessarily Let's just, you know, I think you're obviously keeping Todd Bowles uh, after this, but it's not necessarily, hey, what's the next step we can take in the NFC? Like they need to just kind of chill and figure it all out. I mean, I don't think you go rushing to sign Baker Mayfield to some monster contract and the quarterback contracts are tricky. As we know, Geno Smith, you know, he got 25 million a year. Uh, Jimmy G got $24 million a year. That's the low end of a veteran starting quarterback contract so you have that and then you have the high end of backup eight million dollars and is there something in between there that would make sense for Baker Mayfield I just don't know you know Ben and and what are your thoughts on this like let's say they lose next week Baker Mayfield plays okay do you like are there teams out there who are going to go be rushing to sign I mean teams have had all kinds of chances to take a flyer on Baker Mayfield. And I know it changes from one year to the next, but just given what his market was last off season to this off season, I just don't know that there are going to be teams out there who are going to be willing to offer him some kind of mon- you know, big deal over $25 million a year that the bucks have to match.
0: Well, right. So let me flip that question in the other direction. Uh, Get to the end of the season, Bucks or Baker Mayfield out of contract, you know, a a dispute negotiation. They're far apart. What's the Bucks' alternative? They're picking 25th overall. Go sign Kirk. Signing Kirk is just signing late Baker, right? I mean, like, go get Tannehill, late, more injured Baker, right? Like, it's, it's iterations of the same thing. That you can say like what team's gonna be out there for Baker? My response is what quarterbacks out there for the Bucks?
2: Well, I do think there's a lesson there, though. What if they just take the exact same strategy that they took last year and say let's just chill, let's not be aggressive, let's say what quarter, let's see which quarterbacks are left when all the seats are taken and what guy we can get to just a short term. We don't want to make a big commitment. They can be competent for us next year, and let's keep taking shots on like a long term plan. I actually think that's the right move. To make for the Bucs.
0: You gotta have you rock steady job security. You gotta know for a fact, right? Light's
2: been there for a long time.
0: Yeah, which okay, light, sure. If you're if you're Todd Bowles, right? I mean, like you well, you did not walk into the season with job security. And let's be honest, you retained job security because nine and eight was good enough to win the division. That's not gonna be the case every year. It, it might be the case again next year, if we're being honest, but it's not gonna be the case every year. So if if that's what you know, if it's all right, defense, cheap at quarterback rotating offensive coordinators and mike evans just never ages that's treading water when you when you tread water eventually at some point you know the 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 patience runs out from ownership and from the general manager like you 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 need to have direction at quarterback you need to have a vector at least in in in, in some direction and i don't think like all right you know let's hang out and then see what Jameis winston's free agency market looks like no they do Jameis? he was at tampa before uh let's see what it was Jacoby Brissett's market Jacoby looks like Jacoby Brissett, right? yeah. yeah. It's always Jacoby Brissett. I don't know why I ever thought to try to do a different quarterback <laughs> besides Jacoby Brissett. Right, go trade for Sam Howell. Like, like you can only do so many long shots before you have to try to make a commitment somewhere. I don't know. I wouldn't mind a two-year $70 million. No, it's bad. I can't do it. Hey, they're in a tough for spot, Baker Mayfield? Yeah. No, no, no. I started to I'm say it, and then that. I was like, no, nah, I can't
2: get there. no. No, I wouldn't want to do it. All right, we'll see. They, they are in sort of that middle ground as a franchise. But you know what? If you're a Bucs fan, who cares? Enjoy this. You, you don't, you know, there are many fan bases in the NFL that can tell you it's not often you get to watch your team in the divisional round of the playoffs. And I think if you're a Bucks fan, I always say the mm-hmm. best seasons as a fan are the ones that come out of nowhere. And this was a season where you probably had no expectations for your team. And guess what? They're still playing. They got a playoff win. So nice job. By
0: jimmy that. garoppolo signed with the raiders 72 over 3 24 per
2: baker i would not want to do that personally if i were the bucks
0: in my head i'm like that's fine but then i remember how i felt when the raiders signed jimmy to that deal and i was like this is the worst thing that's ever happened <laughs> so yeah. it's diff- it's a difficult reality to square right now
2: i don't think he's going to have a monster market even uh, listen if they if they beat the lions and that's possible. They're only six point underdogs and get to the NFC championship and he plays really well. We might be having a different conversation if it's what it is right now. I just don't know that this season totally changed his market from what it was last season. All right. My take is a simple one. I'm just I'm just, you know, I'm looking at this Bills Steelers and what's ahead. Solak, and I'm just saying thank you, football guys, for giving us Bill's Chiefs, baby. Here we go. Mm-hmm. Wild card weekend was about the young bucks. It was about CJ Stroud and Jordan Love emerging and pulling off upsets. And don't get me wrong. I can't wait to watch those guys. We'll talk more about them. But next week to close out the best weekend of football in the NFL, we get Chiefs bills Sunday evening for the third time in four seasons. Two years ago, we got the 13 seconds game. This time, the game is somehow in Buffalo. Imagine six weeks ago, I told you the Bills will be hosting the Chiefs in the divisional round, and they'll be favorites. You wouldn't have believed me. Here's what I love about this matchup, Solak. These are imperfect teams. These are are great players who are going to be Hall of Famers, who are in the primes of their career. Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes. But the team's... These will not be the best teams these guys play on. They've played on better teams previously. They'll play on better teams in the future. These are not juggernauts. Chiefs looked good against Miami, but we know they've been up and down offensively. Bills got crushed by injuries against the Steelers. I mean, we got to keep an eye on that all week. There were guys going out uh, left and right, so we'll see who they have available for that game. But the guy they do have available is Josh Allen who ran for like 70 yards and they had a 52, a quarterback having a 52-yard touchdown run. uh, You know, almost unheard of outside of Colin Kaepernick. So they've still got him. They can still score offensively. It was just, what, a month ago, week 14. We got a great game in Kansas City, the Kadarius-Tony game. Bills win that one, 2017. So I think, like, these guys got a long way to go, but this will be another chapter in kind of their legacies. I mean, you look at the Bills. If they win this game, they will be a game away from reaching the Super Bowl in the most improbable way imaginable. For the Chiefs, if they go on the... I mean, Patrick Mahomes going on the road, Ben, for the first time in his playoff career. Patrick Mahomes is going on the road. We'll be playing a road football game. He has not done this. Will he go there? Will he put this team on his back? Will he make people like me look incredibly stupid? And he's just saying, I'm dragging this team to... The Super Bowl. So we will get into this matchup big time in our second show this week. But just my first take, I didn't have anything great off the game in terms of Bill Steelers. It's just a look ahead where we could potentially get a divisional round game that is better than championship weekend, that is better than the Super Bowl. That is just an absolute classic that we're talking about for years to come. So there you go. That's my Bill's take.
0: Yeah, there's one guy the Bills do have amongst all the injuries besides Josh Allen that you forgot about that's every single attendee at Highmark Stadium. This is a home playoff game, baby. Patrick Mahomes, 14 playoff games in Mahomes' career, three Super Bowls on a neutral field, 11 AFC playoff games, every single one of them played at Arrowhead. Which I learned this weekend is not actually Arrowhead; it's Geha Field at Arrowhead Stadium, which is may I don't like that at all. So it, I don't, no, I don't understand don't how that, that works. This yeah. will be the first playoff game that Patrick Mahomes plays on the road, straight on the road in his entire career. And if you're Buffalo, and 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 the Chiefs have been a bugbear for you in the playoffs, right? You have lost to this team in the playoffs twice now. The second time you did so was the uh, uh, forty-two to thirty-six shenanigans. You've been waiting for this. This this comeuppance, right? You're you're 0 2 against the team in the postseason. You explicitly you have known for years now you need to be capable of beating 15, beating Kansas City in January in order to go to a Super Bowl. That's requisite. There's no way around it. You have to plan for that. You now get the game at home. The, the, this is the one, especially with what you've been through to then arrive here. Like this is an opportunity. This, this I think I think the 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 stakes with this being in Buffalo are extremely high. The moment Patrick Mahomes finds AJ Klein. Everything's out the window, right? Kyrie Elam's out on the field. Everything's out the window. But but the the crowd can do their best to account for that. And that's going to be the hope is that is that they do. And so for, for Buffalo, getting this game at home is absolutely enormous. The injuries on defense, blow. Man, they suck. They are piling up like at, at an unbelievable level. The, if they aren't able to get only 20 points out of this Chiefs offense this time around, like they did last time, or 17, excuse me, 17. It will be a heroic performance. And a feather in the cap of the coaching for Sean McDermott, who, like, in October, you and I were like, Sean, man, like, what is happening? Like, this is spiraling, is out of control. Here we are, man. I mean, like, that defense has been punching above its weight for months now, and they have to do it again at an even lower weight, punch even higher above it this Sunday against Mahomes. What a what a draw that we, we ended up getting, Kansas City-Buffalo.
2: For the Steelers, uh, Solak, like, so Pro Football Talk was reporting... You know, this week, hey, Mike Tomlin's in the his last year of his contract is coming up here. What will happen? He was asked about it at the end of his press conference and kind of walked out. Do you, is there any smoke to this? Is I do you just expect him to be in Latrobe in uh, late July? Like, all right, let's go, uh let's go, finish above five hundred and make the playoffs again. Is it? Would you be shocked if later this week we're doing an emergency pod because Tomlin's saying? I'm just taking a breather for a year and then I will uh, come back and coach. Like, where are you with some of the smoke uh, around Mike Tomlin and the Steelers?
0: Uh, Tomlin is inextricable, right? I mean, like in- inextricable. I don't know if I'm saying that correctly. He's hard to riddle out, Tomlin is. Uh, it's just it, it, the Steelers have a unique culture, right? Like when I was doing research, I wrote a Tomlin piece a few weeks ago. I was doing research on all the offensive coordinators and none of these guys got fired. They all had their contract expire. Right. Like, this is just how this, the Steelers do it. Is they just they 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 keep you in the building. When, like, Canada's the only one who's got for Matt actually, Canada. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> act, which, you know, this podcast appreciates all of Matt Canada's contributions to the 2023 <laughs> NFL season. So I I fully expect him to be back next year and be coaching next year. There have obviously been rumblings that, oh, maybe he's going to leave his contract a year early. And like if Tomlin said, hey, like, I'm out of here because like, we haven't had postseason success. Then, like, I'll get it. That's that's justifiable on, on his perspective. Uh, it's justifiable on the Steelers' perspective if they, if they push that envelope. It's not going to change my tune, though, in the fact that I think Tom is an extremely good coach. Like, I'll get it if they're like, we just need a we need a a mutual parting of the ways and start a new era and culture, and we wish you all the best. Like, if it's that, then it's that and whatever. Like, go for it. You need something new. Sure, I'm gonna I'm gonna sit on this mic and be waxing poetic about Mike Tom and being a top eight, top five coach. Until I am presented with multiple years worth of evidence otherwise, because I just watched Mason Rudolph, okay, playing the wild card round of the playoffs, right? I watched I watched Miles, Jack, and Alandon Roberts. I watched Michael Walker. Okay, I saw Eric Rowe out there trying to make tackles. Nick Herbig's chasing down Josh Allen, fourth round rookie, right? I, I, what are we talking about? Tom is a very, very, very good coach. If he wants to come back, he wants to come back, and if he doesn't, I'm sure we'll learn more about it. I don't have any unique insight into what the inner workings of Pittsburgh. All I know is Tomlin's good at his job.
2: Yeah, I would have him as my number one candidate in this crowded pool if he were to hit the job market. Mike Dude. Tomlin,
0: Philadelphia Eagles head coach, has a nice ring to it. Oh show. A nice ring.
2: Because I think with Tomlin, I mean, you have to, he sets the floor, you know, like the program, the all the intangible stuff's going to be great. If you can just, you know, find the offensive coordinator, you're in a great spot now. I will. I do just wonder if sometimes guys just need a break. We like we'd never really consider that. Mm-hmm. He's been coaching for 17 years. He's been coaching the Pittsburgh Steelers. Like that's a long time. Maybe it's just like I want a breather. Uh, you know, we're not gonna like compete for a Super Bowl next year. I'm gonna take a year off, and then we'll see what I feel like doing. After that, I mean, I I don't think that's like out of the realm of possibilities. And I know Steelers fans probably listen to it. Like there is a difference between how people like me and you view Tomlin. And then as people like your dad and other Steelers fans, you know, view Tomlin, they're looking at this saying, yeah, we're always above 500 and we don't have horrible seasons, but it's been seven years, I think, since they've won a playoff game. So I get that too. And it's, you know, they, they have a quarterback question. They have stuff to figure out there as well. So that's just something to keep an eye on. I thought I'd throw that question your way as again, this is going to be a <laughs> Hectic Week. I feel like there's going to be some surprises. Uh, and if you're wondering why we didn't mention Nick Sirianni or the Eagles, that's one of those surprises. Well, as Solek said, go listen to the Ringers Philly special. All right, let's take a break. We'll come back. We'll get to some other stuff around the league. <laughs>
1: And for that, you deserve an ice cold reward because you are a fighter and Modelo is your reward. Modelo, the mark of a fighter. Shop delivery or pickup options near you at ordermodelo.com. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Imports, Chicago, Illinois.
2: All right, we are back on Extra Point taken. All right. So like, I'm very curious where you're going with the rest of your takes here. Are you going to have head coaching stuff or is there, is there specific stuff you want to get to from Wild Card weekend? What do you got? Hit me with your second take. Oh Oh, yeah. yeah.
0: With the cheese head on where the part of it nibbled away. because My dog started eating it earlier today. Jordan loves the 2024 league MVP, right? We're in on this. You with me? Well, (laughs) I'll I'll decide between him and
2: CJ Stroud. Yeah.
0: Yep. I, so I was thinking about that. When I go to remember <laughs> this 2024, 2023, excuse me, NFL season, I'm going to remember it as the Jordan Love year. I think that's how I'm going to contextualize this year. Which, like, and, and I love Stroud. I'm, I'm obsessed with Stroud. Stroud's incredible. Stroud's amazing. Stroud's my, and a better than love. The fact that we're getting this preview of what the playoffs is going to look like for the next ten years between these two guys. Give me a Packers Texans Super Bowl every single season for the next six seasons. Like, they're both uh, unbelievable to watch. But I'll tell you why it's love for, for me in terms of why like it's this season. Firstly, the vibe shift, the tone change, the key change in Green Bay. It is it, if you sit back, like, I, I sat back to like like, like you know, write a little timeline in the notes and whatever, and it was just astonishing. Three years ago, Sheel, like the COVID year, even before the COVID year. Adam Schefter reporting a 2021 NFL draft. But that was after the COVID year. But uh, 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 Aaron Rodgers might uh, leave and, and he wants to take over the front office and he's making demands. that Rodgers comes to camp, I'm not making demands. I just think that all these players should be here and the front office is bad and I miss Ted Thompson and just... Hard, but it's Like they're winning a ton of games and nobody's happy. Devontae Adams is traded away, and Rogers is becoming more and more belligerent. And but he's also winning MVPs. And does he hate Jordan Love? Does he like Jordan Love? Was the Jordan Love pick a waste? He's talking openly about the Jordan Love pick on like Kyle Brandt podcast. Like why wasn't it a wide receiver? Like it was so hostile, so unbelievably contentious within Green Bay, and they just went from that to not just we have a good quarterback, but we have like what might be like a truly great quarterback. I, I, for the first time in my career, in my life, I did what I promised I would never do. And I said, this guy's kind of like Mahomes when I was watching Love play against Dallas last week. I, just, just in terms of watching Love move and just the looseness, the athleticism, the twitch, right? Just the way in the pocket, he's just like, and I'm dropping back. Oh, where am I going? I, I can throw this. It's, it, 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 it's young Mahomes. It, it, it's not a one-to-one comparison. He's not as good in structure, timing, accuracy. There's a bunch of other stuff. But just the freedom of movement, the, 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 the looseness in the, in the athleticism, it, it, it evokes 15. And I promised I would never do it, but it does. And then there's the joy. There's the complete and total and utter joy. He is so, so happy to be the quarterback of the Green Bay Packers, playing well, Playing better week over week with his teammates, and like that might not be true forever. You know, we might get we may I guess ten years down the road, and Jordan loves made a trillion dollars and he's got problems with how Brian Good can sit X, Y, and Z, and we have to do this whole cycle again. But for right now, the the changed experience from the Packers to we are a team that is committed to Aaron Rodgers, and we're trying to make a, a postseason run out of this a Super Bowl run out of this. Despite the fact we've been doing it for fifteen years, and the vibe is horrendous. To we're just the youngest team in the league shooting. We might drop forty-eight on Jerry in Dallas. Everybody cool with that? Who's next? The Niners. Let's do it. Ninety total points in the game. Let's level a little. It, it it is so healthy for the team. It's so healthy for the players' shield. Think, think about how good this postseason experience is for them. Think about how 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 precious this is. They have now experienced a home ro- uh, uh, excuse me a road playoff game in Dallas which was unbelievable home field advantage all year, right? And they've experienced that that win, that uproarious win. They, they know what it feels like now. Jaden Reed, Dontavian Wick, Zach Tom, uh, uh, Carrington Valentine, Azam McDuffie, Lucas Van Ness, the, Rashawn Gary. They know what it feels like to go into a, a, an away stadium like that and win that game. And now they're going to face the Niners. And if they get the brakes beaten off them by the Niners, if they get absolutely waxed by the Niners, which is very possible, then they'll know what it feels like to go up against a true contender. And they'll know what that, what that, what that is. What, like, they'll, they'll know the character. But they'll felt it against their pads. Like, I, that's what it feels like when, when you're truly an elite team, when you are a Super Bowl team. Those lessons are amazing. And they're being shepherded through those lessons by, by Jordan Love, who just, just is, is getting better week over week and is loving playing week over week. And the culture is unbelievable. It is It is so pure and so good. They are They are fast and they're physical and they hustle and they tackle and they try and they effort and they love the plays. They're running over to their teammates and they score touchdowns. And Jordan loves throwing sidearm trick shots through three. Off the it's just, it's so cool. I love these Packers so much. Extra point taking team of the season, baby. We told you they'd make the playoffs. We won a playoff game. We didn't tell you they were going to do that. We didn't think they were going to do that either. They did that. I didn't think they were going to do that until they did it, man. It was an unbelievable game. But the the the, the tone shift is incredible. And the, cal- the caliber of play, Love looks unbelievable. And he might not keep getting better and better just like he has this season. Like a development's never linear, but man, the Packers nailed this. They just nailed it. Kudos to them. When I think of the 2023 season, I'll think of Jordan Love and the Green Bay Packers.
2: So there were multiple times in there I thought about interjecting, interrupting you, but for those who can't see the video, and maybe this will be the video for uh, social, to so like put on the cheese head But then he's got these headphones on that would not stay on with the cheese head. So he has been holding like the padding of the headphones on his ears the whole time. So I'm like, I'm not, I just want to see how long he can do this. I have notes uh, and I wanted to
0: scroll, but I couldn't really put a hand (laughs) down and so I'm just going off the dome. (laughs) Yeah.
2: So that, I mean, uh, first of all, Jordan Love is a wildly entertaining quarterback and that was wildly entertaining for me to watch you have to do that at 1.30 in the morning. Uh, Yeah, I've had a lot of bad takes on this pod. Uh, The one maybe I'm most proud of this year is like a month ago when you asked me if I would, uh, if I would sign Jordan Love to the Daniel Jones contract and I said if I'm his agent, I'm not taking the Daniel Jones contract <laughs> yes, because we we deserve more and now he's legitimately should be paid like a top five quarterback I'm sorry that's not hyperbole uh, I mean he, he like this guy uh is incredible i I honestly don't know how many quarterbacks I would take uh over him it's everything you said you know what else I love about it? You can tell like he is not the finished product. He will miss throws. There's footwork stuff. Like there are things in his game where you say, oh, okay, yeah. Oh, you remind yourself this mm-hmm. is the he's a first time starting quarterback. But holy cow, the smarts. the the guts on this guy, the uh, the types of throws he's willing to attempt, the athleticism, the arm is so loose. Oh my God, he's uh, uh, wildly entertaining to watch. I mean, you said Mahomes, and I don't want to fall into the trap of just saying it looks like the guy he replaced, but uh, I think it was Dan Pizzuta who was tweeting out clips, and there's one clip of him where it's just the end zone angle, and I'm just like, this looks Exactly like Aaron Rodgers. Like, I just, I'm supposed to be doing other work and I just watched it 12 times in a row. You can see
0: moments where, because he watched so much Rodgers film, he does a Rodgers right. thing, right? That's like, it,
2: him, yeah, it's like an impression of Rodgers. Yeah, yeah,
0: exactly, exactly. It's a, an impersonation, but it's a, it's a very honorable one. It's a good one. Um, next five years, Lover Stroud pick.
2: Well, uh, you know me because I will be nerdy and incorporate the contract and I will say Stroud because I'm getting more on the rookie deal and Jordan Love's going to have to get paid sooner.
0: Next five years, love or burrow, same deal. Oh
2: God. That's your boy. <laughs> uh, but same he's had two season
0: ending injuries.
2: Yeah, I, w- I will still go burrow. I, I He's he's shown it to me longer, but I did have to think about it for a little bit.
0: Next five years, love or hurts. Love. Yes. Yes. Okay. <laughs> I just wanted a clip. I just needed. I just needed one social <laughs> clip to get you in someone's bad bad graces. Now I got it.
2: I actually said that last week, but I, I said you would have to get maybe you know maybe get a couple of drinks in me and I would do it. But then after what I watched this weekend, uh, I can just drink this water and be perfectly. Are sober. Are you a hot
0: take artist when you're buzzed? I gotta get Sheila a little tipsy. I just No, see but sort of I mean kids. I
2: don't know. Sometimes you get a little looser. You know, you're thinking about something and then you just say it. Yeah, that that could potentially. Yeah. Uh, be the case. So, uh, I'm with you. And, uh, by the way, we have not mentioned Matt LaFleur, who I I just, I don't understand. And I don't like, I, it, I feel like when I say this, it comes off like I am, you know, some people in the media, some, I have never met, I know Matt LaFleur. I've never met the man. I could be walking down the street. How does he not get more credit? I mean, the guy has won 60, what? 8% of his games. Okay. He, he got Aaron Rodgers. They won what? 13 games three years in a row. Guess what we've learned since Aaron Rodgers' time in green Bay ended? It's probably not that easy to spend that much time with Aaron Rodgers and get that type of performance out of him while still keeping everyone else on the team uh, and in the organization together. That's not easy. Then in the first year post Aaron Rodgers, you take a first time starter, you take the youngest supporting cast in the NFL, you go through ups and downs, you start two and five. And guess what? Now you look like the most dangerous team in the NFL. That was by EPA per pass play the most efficient quarterback performance in the NFL this season. That's on the road against the Dallas Cowboys as seven-point underdogs. And a ton of
0: it was schemed. Ton of it yes! was schemed
2: up. Yeah, some yes. of those throw. I mean, like credit. He got the ball there, but yeah, he's throwing. He's just like, all right, I'm throwing it up. Wait, wait, what happened to all the Cowboys defenders? They're not on my screen. This guy is completely wide open. So, uh, Lafleur, Love. It's just like there. There are a lot of winners from Wild Card Weekend. But if you're a Packers fan, like like you said, they could lose thirty eight to seven against the Forty Nine ers, and it doesn't yeah. matter. You're going to be feeling great this off season.
0: It would be honestly like that loss. And you have to see it to see the character of it it could be a huge springboard for them long term because it reminds you what you don't look like yet right it exposes you when you go up against a truly elite team and you get beat around it could be a really good experience for you Um, LaFleur man I I when I, I wrote about love in like October and I was basically just like hey like on every play someone makes a mistake like like you know I uh, I I uh Rashid Walker's making a mistake. Zach Thomas making a mistake. Christian Christian uh, Watson, Romeo Dubs, Jaden Reed. Someone's screwing up. Like they're just so young. And then Love's making his own mistakes, and so there it was just so hard to see what what Lafleur was cooking. Right. It was just tough because every all the details were, were were missed. They were they were failed. Right. And so it would just everything would be a near miss, near miss. And if you go back and you read those Matt Lafleur press conferences, he was so frustrated. You could tell how pissed he was he hated losing he was not used to it you could tell he was and like ever making dumb mistakes that he was like he'd been telling all these young players like don't make this dumb mistake And they would do it you could tell he was pissed but you could also tell that he saw it like like, i you you, on the outside you couldn't see what he was cooking you could tell he was like if we just like can get three more weeks under our belt without imploding and without like you guys like the media ruining this (laughs) like if i could just get another month i promise we'll get it you could tell he he, knew he could get it around the corner and that's so many coaches would get frustrated and then now guys are benched and they wouldn't know how to get to their guys or this guy needs this sort of criticism. That guy needs that sort of building up confidence, whatever, you know, tough love, easy love. He got whatever alchemy it was, whatever concoction, he got it right. And that's just, there's no way to quantify that and put it on a, on a, on a stat and put it on a graph and share it on Twitter and get him coach of the year votes. But man, like I, 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 that arc, this arc for the Packers has just been a joy to watch. And then he just, Waxed Dan Quinn for four quarters, and what 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 a crowning achievement! So fun to see
2: touchdowns on six of seven. Yeah, they they really are a joy to watch. I, I I'm with you. I mean, uh, now I will say this: you you mentioned that uh, if they get waxed, it could be a good thing for them. Packers fans, know, like don't don't take the seasons for granted when you have a chance to do something special. I don't know. They're performing like a top five offense. I don't know who I'm going to pick in that yeah. game and we'll save 49ers our big favorites, but you never know when these seasons come around. Weird things happen. Yeah. You had a great call last week where you were saying, maybe the CJ Stroud Texans will be this version of the Joe Burrow Bengals from a couple years ago. You know what other team could potentially be that? Yeah. Packers. That, my, my, my two wildcard teams are still alive and kicking, baby.
0: Lions and Texans. I, listen. Packers, Lions, NFC Championship game, Ford Field. <laughs> come on, come on! It'd be fun.
2: There you go. All right, uh, my second take. All right, so that oh, was. Thank that God, was I very, can take this off now. My yeah, you can are so take tired. that off now. There, you're probably sweating. You can. Your headphones will stay on. He's got the hat on. Give him play by play. See, yeah, I go. thought to myself, I was like,
0: I was like, just pull the shield, show on, show up with the AirPods. But then I was like, he'll know but I'm coming with the cheese head. I don't mm, want to spoil the yeah. surprise. You would have done I it like the detective work.
2: This was like the great clip, the ringer clip that was circulating about whether, you know, Sean Fennessy could hold the two, what was it, dumbbells yeah. out? And how, so that was kind of like your yeah. version of that. How, you know, how long can you hold the headphones up uh, on your head? So there you go. All right. My next one is not as fun. Uh, I have to be a little critical. Take two. Sean McVay's blind spot cost the Rams in wild Card weekend.
0: I knew you were coming with this. The second I'm you said you Rams, I was like, we're doing clock management, baby.
2: Listen, McVay is a great coach. He has been in the playoffs five to seven seasons. He's had a winning record in six of seven seasons. He's been to the Super Bowl twice. He's won one, but he has a blind spot and it's been obvious through all those seasons. And I'm sure it's something he tries to work on here and there, but he has not fixed it. And it is his in-game management. He builds these brilliant, uh, efficient, versatile offenses and then he doesn't trust them in big spots and in sunday's loss to the lions it cost him in a big way what am i talking about first half 59 seconds left rams are down 21 17 they've got three timeouts yes they're backed up inside their own 10 but you know what the offense is on fire the defense looks terrible and so what do they and they've got a veteran quarterback it's a close game and what do they do they run the ball once and then they take a knee. You cannot afford to waste a possession there. I know they're backed up. You can't just think, what's the worst case scenario? We're backed up. We're going to turn the, they turn the football over on 8% of their possessions. Okay, that's what we're talking about here. I would argue that percentage Is even lower because you have a veteran quarterback and you know that you can't turn the football there. So I would say it's even lower. That's the percentage we're talking about. You can't coach against the worst case scenario. I also know that their kicking situation isn't great. Guess what? You still try. You don't get penalized if you try a 48-yard field, if you get to the drive the ball, get a 48-yard field goal and you miss it. You don't like end the game and say, game is over. You tried that and it failed. And guess what? Maybe the guy makes one. I think the guy made a 54-yarder later in the game. Again, so you had eight offensive possessions, you had a quarterback who was dealing, you had a defense that was not playing well, you had a wide receiver that was out of his freaking mind. Talk about young players who are just like taking over the NFL, Puka Nakua, couldn't make catches in traffic, could not be tackled, and you waste a possession. So that annoyed me because you lost the game by one freaking Think about it at the end of the game if they would have said, "Hey, McVeigh, we, uh, we got this special rule. We're going to give you um, 59 seconds. You have to drive like 65 yards with three timeouts. And if you score a field goal, you take the lead." Would they? Would they want that opportunity? Of course they would. But they threw that opportunity away earlier in the game. All right. Then second thing here, Solak. Second half, they use these two timeouts early in the half. There's 13 minutes left in the game, and they have one timeout left. They were trying to avoid delay of games i understand it happens you're on the road it's loud you were there but this consistently happens with the rams and i know stafford called the timeouts i don't care it's an operational thing michael lopez does data and analytics for the nfl tweeted out this graphic sean mcveigh wastes more timeouts than any coach in the nfl they needed those timeouts in the end, where the Lions are chewing up the clock, maybe the Lions would have you know, made them waste those timeouts and it wouldn't have mattered anyway. But you know what? You need those down the stretch of a close game. So McVay, he does many things well. One of the best coaching jobs in the NFL this season, no doubt about it. But in these close games, this was a one-point game. The little things matter. It's a combination of being too conservative, ignoring like the data, the analytics, and not being buttoned up with the operational stuff. This has been going on for years with McVay. Not only McVay, there are other coaches too. He often overcomes it, but the man owes it to himself, to the players, to the organization, to everyone. Try to improve here. A couple different decisions in that game. I'm telling you, we could be talking about a different outcome and a Rams upset. So there you go. I had to do it. Again, I try to pick my spots with this kind of thing. That one really irked me in the playoffs. It's in the spotlight. Sean McVay got to do better there.
0: It's uh uh oh you know the Packers lose to the Niners, they get blown out. I'll show you what you don't have. McVay loses to Dan Campbell. I tell you, Dan Campbell will manage the clock. He'll manage the end of a game. He'll go for yes, the right fourth down. He is
2: very good at it. He does not coach scared. And when you go
0: and you look up at that scoreboard, a second half, and and and. Your Lions held only three points in the entire second half. Rams have been chipping away at that lead. You're looking up at it, and you feel like, man, like the Rams are catching up. The scoreboard should be telling me the, the, the Rams are the better team. Why am I looking up at this and feeling queasy? It's because I can see the three timeouts on Detroit's side, and I can see the one timeout on the Rams' side, right? Detroit got the ball back four minutes left. I'm in the stadium, and I started doing the math. Okay, two clock stoppages. They need eight, eight plays. They just need eight plays to salt this away? Four minutes left? They just need eight plays. That, they, they took them like seven, right? Because they got the first down, and then they just kind of kneeled it. Uh, you can't be in that spot. You really can't. Now, I will say, there's a little bit like, okay, Sean McVay takes the most uh, wasted timeouts. Some of this is, is structural, right? Which just like sounds weird when you run this sort of offense where the, the Rams right, shifted the and motioned and the, yeah. on 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 ninety percent of their play shield. It was uh, I I love going to games live because you just you just experience things differently. It's one thing to watch it on film and be like, yep, shift motion. Okay, shift motion, shift motion. I got my tunes going. My brain's kind of turned off. Watching it live, I'm like, will you stop every play with this? (laughs) Shift motion, shift motion. And and, and the poor lion's safeties. Oh, my gosh. Okay, you deep, me, go. And I run across everything. And you see the chaos that it causes. But when you shift in motion that much, you use a ton of the play clock. And Stafford, Stafford is collecting defensive tells as you shift all those players around. So if all of a sudden Stafford feels like they're not in a good call for what he's learned from the defense, he's going to go up get to the line and try to change the play. He's doing it. Like, uh, the, the, the first time out they took in the second half, he was at six seconds on the clock. He was trying to move Kyron Williams up and then take him back. And then, okay, shoot, we got to call a timeout. So, so much of the shifts in the motion helps Puka Nakua go 9 for 9 for 180 yards and a score. And then the cost is you run the risk of some of these delayed games, some of these timeouts. That it, so it, it, that's the unfortunate thing. It's like, I wish you could just be like, all right, Sean, stop taking that timeout and then go. But some of it is like in the structure of what it makes his offense so good. With that said, you should probably be okay taking a delay a game, right? Like I they was going to say
2: that in the second yeah. half, and I haven't read anything like definitive of, uh on this, whether you should be doing that or not. But that's how I feel with you, especially in the second half, right?
0: Honestly, it's such an interesting conversation about the edges that make up uh, success and failure in an NFL game. You and I talk about uh, scheme and personnel and and, and clock and time management, quarterback play and and matchups and all this nonsense. You know what the Rams are going to be working on this offseason? You know what Sean's going to assign to one of his coaching assistants? How do we improve our process for getting play calls in and for signaling motions on the road? Like that no one thinks about that. No one writes about that. I wrote 3,000 words about this game. I didn't write a single thing about that. That's what it's going to be. When, when Sean looks back on this game, he's be like, all right, if we were just a little bit better, getting our calls in expediently in that environment and then signaling our motions a little bit earlier, getting lined up and hustling, I wouldn't have wasted those timeouts. We would have gotten the ball back. We like, that's, that's how he's going to think about things. And so uh, um, that being the weakness of Sean like, tells a lot more of a story about his offense and about his system that I think you realize. But to go up against Dan Campbell, who you know who motions the second most in the league, I think, I think well, I think it's one is the Rams, like two is the Niners or whatever. The Lions are right up there. And Lions had the home stadium and they had the advantage and they don't have a, as many of those procedural issues. And Dan Campbell tends to have his timeouts when he needs them. And so it's an area for McVay to improve, absolutely. And it's, and it's right to be highlighted because they lost. And they lost a one-point game and very thin margins. And, and the timeouts were pretty much the deciding factor for the last four minutes.
2: Yeah, the end of the first half thing, honestly, for me personally, annoys me. More because that's just in your control. Like, trust, come on, trust yourself, trust your players, trust the quarterback and go and try and score don't be thinking about well if we turn the ball over here it's a disaster like you should not be thinking that way you're losing you're losing by four points in this game the lines had gone up and down the field because I mean you you gave a great explanation for why the timeouts they why that would happen I'm sure that would probably be his explanation and I can yeah. say you just take the delay a game but I think both of those were on third down so now all of a sudden you're going third and even longer well you don't want that either it's like a high leverage spot it's not first and ten where you have multiple chances to make up for the those five yards, so that's harder. Um, but the you know, and, and this is a like a, a continuation again, um, with McVeigh. So he does all the big stuff like so so well at an elite level. It's just the little things in these games, these close games that can be the difference with the game management. So I wanted to bring it up there. All right, what do you got? You got your third take.
0: Okay, uh, two wild card losers, Sheil, are teetering Ooh. on precipices of, of mass destruction and freak out. The okay. Dallas Cowboys and the Miami Dolphins. One of them should walk away from the ledge; they're fine. The other one, te- there's probably it's probably the mass destruction time, and the freakout would be justified, understandable, and I think it makes sense. Uh, do you have a guess as to which is which?
2: All right. So my third take is actually about the uh, the Dallas Cowboys. All right. So one you're saying don't, one you're saying don't panic. One yeah. you're saying you're absolutely right to panic. I think you would probably you. I'm now I'm getting inside your head. Get inside my head. The Dolphins have to panic, you would say? And the Cowboys don't have to panic? I don't I'm know. Dis- it's hard. I'm very
0: disappointed. I thought we Wrong. knew each other. No. Listen. Dolphins don't have to panic? I don't think the Dolphins need to panic. I'll tell you why. Okay. Uh, firstly, to, to contextualize, uh, Dolphins did their exit interviews today, right? Mike, Daniel, Chris Greer speaking. Uh, some big highlights, right? Asked about Christian Wilkins, who they were trying to negotiate a contract with, defensive tackle. And Chris Greer said, you know, he, he he wanted to prove it. Year he played unbelievable. He's earned the right to be a free agent. It's like, wait, what'd you just say? He's, he's earned the right to be the free agent. So he's not. You, you let him walk, okay? Like, all right, we're just we're just we're just saying it in January, I guess. Um, Mike McDaniel was asked uh, during this press conference, uh, "Did you think at all about giving up offensive play calling?" Which I'm that I'm qualifying that as the sign of like, okay, they're close enough to the precipice that I can put them in this conversation. Asking Mike McDaniel if you thought about giving him offensive play calling, once you hit the offensive play caller change, you're kind of in a tricky spot. Asking it to Mike McDaniel is astonishing to me.
2: Right? I'm like, starting I, the next show by asking you if you're thinking about giving up podcast.
0: All, 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 all I do, every time, is, hey, Pops, how you been? Family doing good? Dogs doing good? You've been thinking about giving up play calling at all? Just checking in and dancing. Uh, I think there's a warranted conversation between separating Mike McDaniel, the schemer and designer, who is, in my opinion, unparalleled, even amongst Kyle Shanahan and the rest of the league relative to Mike McDaniel, the guy who says plays into a mic on a
2: Sunday because he should have just Unparalleled even amongst Kyle Shanahan?
0: Yeah. Woo! Yeah. No, in, in, in terms of in terms, of, in terms of, in terms of stuff, X's and O's stuff done, I mean, like, the, Kyle's offense has been dramatically affected by what Mike's been doing in, in Miami the last two years. Like, my okay. Mike, Mike well, has the become. the best
2: coaches steal.
0: Yes, I'm just, I'm just saying, playing. I'm saying in terms of, again, in terms of the schemer, the designer, the innovator, like, Mike is, is is there. Mike, the play this caller. This is the offense s-
2: that completely sucked on Saturday. Night. We're talking about the same team?
0: Yeah, well, they're playing no. Right, <laughs> that go was ahead. not <laughs> supposed to be the future part of this take. You know? Shield. <laughs> Mike, the play caller, I think there's some warranted criticism. I think he got away from running the ball too much too often this year. I do think that's fair. With that said, uh, the, the number one reason why the Dolphins don't need to walk away from the precipice in my opinion, or excuse me, they, they don't need to fall off the precipice. They can walk away. They don't need to panic is because of the absence of Jerome Baker, because of the absence of Jalen Phillips and Andrew Van Ginkle and Bradley Chubb, because of the absence of, of Xavier Howard, the absence of, of Javon Holland. This was an extremely banged up team in the second half of the season, especially on defense. Offensive line, they had injuries. They lost Robert Hunt. They lost Connor Williams. Toronto Armstead was in and out. They lost Raheem Mostert. They lost Jalen Waddell. Like they, they had a lot of injuries that happens. It does. And the good coaches coach around it. I think they, they generally like Vic Fangio kept this defense afloat with some bad personnel, some personnel gaps. I think for quite some time, I don't think they, they, they failed to clear that bar. I just think the injuries really, really counted up on them as late, which made it hard for them to hold the bills off from the division and then counted against them as well. in that loss to the chiefs, you also lost a, degree, a game in 30 degree weather. You're going to like, you're the dolphins. You're going to be bad in cold weather. You live in Miami. Like, I they're, I they're strongly
2: just... disagree with this this I, Yeah, I don't I don't want to interrupt you again, but yeah, finish okay, your. No, di- go ahead. What you got? I mean, they were one in six with a minus one ten point differential against playoff teams this year. They had one win against the Dallas Cowboys. Their offense on their final sixteen possessions of the season, one game with the AFC East on the line, the other game with. Uh, their season on the line, the playoffs, they scored one touchdown on 16 possessions. And then the biggest reason why I would be panicking if I were a Miami Dolphins fan and they're not going to want to hear it. We just talked about Jordan Love and CJ Stroud and Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes can your guy, to, I mean Tua to Tagovailoa, can he match them on a playoff run for three games to get to the Super Bowl? I don't think so. I'll tell you a take. I was workshopping that I didn't include in the show was that the Dolphins cannot pay Tua to Tagovailoa of <laughs> this right, so offseason. Off okay, the reason, sorry, the, the reason why I, so wanted, I wanted to let you go, I strongly disagree. Yeah. yeah,
0: the reason why I wanted to let you go because I figured that you would land there. Uh, and that's because I haven't said the name yet. I haven't, I haven't, I haven't named the quarterback yet. I've been talking around him. Uh, I think there's a lot of mitigating factors for why the Dolphins uh, uh, lost in the margins, and they had a lot of personnel de- deficiencies late in the season. Now, the absolute number one reason why the Dolphins were losing games late in the season and 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 against playoff teams is Tua. Tua is uh, is, is not good enough to consistently go up against playoff defenses and beat them. He doesn't have the talent, uh, uh, and that's that's been evident on Tua for a while. Uh, Two has been a system quarterback. He's been a limited quarterback. He's been elevated by the personnel. He's been elevated by the scheme. It's been my number on Tua since day one. He played that game against the Chargers in week one. And I was like, holy smokes, this might be new Tua. And then kind of by week six, week seven, new Tua was gone and we were back with what we had. Uh, you said they absolutely can't pay him. I wouldn't pay him, right? If I, if I, if I run into the shot, I wouldn't pay him. I'd be looking for quarterback alternatives this year. I'd be trying to get them into the building.
2: You're approaching- He's on his uh, fifth year option to be exactly. uh, clear. So he's under contract yeah. for 2024
0: the fifth-year option on Tua. What I will say is, I have some evidence that you can pay him because the Niners paid Jimmy and kept that thing chugging for years and then stumbled on a seventh-round rookie who could do much of the same stuff, plug and chug him in there. Hey, turns out he was even better than the old guy. And they kept it stepping. The Rams paid Goff. And then a year later, we're trying to trade that contract. And they found Matthew Stafford and they sent multiple first-round picks, got Stafford in the building, and won a Super Bowl. There are uh, the 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 mistake of paying the quarterback is not the same death knell that it used to be, especially in an offense like this where you can plug a lot of guys in and be successful. Slash, if you plug a high-impact guy in, it really vaunts the system up, up to the next level. You can do an, an insane amount of stuff. And so I don't think they should pay Tua, but if you're a Dolphins fan listening being like, uh, they pay too. Like I'm going to freak out. They're going to ruin the team. I don't. I don't think they are. I. I. I think we've seen this system get away with it and paying a guy that well, overpaying him. They probably shouldn't pay and then being able to scroll their way out of it. Now you have to scroll your way and you have to be really good at the skill positions, right? And like Tyreek's not getting any younger, right? So you 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 have a really good system of guys right now. You don't want to be wasting. What you just got from Raheem Moster, like oh, actually a healthy season from Raheem, that's down the drain. Like that was a that was a big waste. Tyreek's approaching thirty. Like that hamstring's gonna go. Tyreek's getting nicked up like every other game at this point. Like you 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 do have to acknowledge that this is this is a good window for your skill positions. You shouldn't just be wasting this. being like, oh, if we pay Tua, we'll recover. Don't worry about it. But I think Mike and this offense is so potent right now across the league that they can roll Tua back out there next year and still be very successful. And they can pay Tua. And even if I think it's a huge mistake, once they figure out it's a huge mistake, I think they'll be able to get out of it and be just fine. And so I don't think you need to panic as much in Miami about the Tua situation as it would initially appear.
2: I mean, I'm just looking at the way they ended their season. (laughs) I mean, 22 points against them. Now, I don't have all the advanced numbers, but 22 points against the Cowboys, 19 points against the Ravens. 14 points against the Bills and then seven points against the Chiefs I mean I like like the offense didn't have answers uh, down the stretch it's the second year in a row they were much better in the beginning of the season than they were at the end of the season can you get out of bad quarterback contracts yes that's not the goal like you don't want to be in a situation where you do that you mentioned it Tyreek Hill going to be what 30 next year is Raheem Mostert going to be healthy next year Jalen Ramsey is another year older next year like what is the like what is their path to competing for a Super Bowl next year? Is it is it just that the defense stays healthier and lifts them? Like the offense, do you think, how, like the offense is not going to be better next year than it was this year, unless Mike McDaniel now has a plan C, but again, down the stretch of this year, you know, he wasn't really coming up with answers that were stifling these great offenses. And they built a lot of their resume against teams that were not great this season. I still like Mike McDaniel. I still, I, I agree that he's a bright, uh, offensive mind, but I just see a ceiling on this version of the dolphins and I don't see a path next year for them getting better. I see them as more likely a team that's going to take a step back. Like they Like, they really should be looking for who is the quarterback. I mean, Tua, yes, the the weather was horrible. I understand it. I mean, there were, like, three, like, throws behind the line of scrimmage in the first half of that game in short yardage, where if he makes those, we might be talking about a different game. It wasn't just, it's not. And then, yeah, I mean, the physical, I think he's a good quarterback. He's accurate. There's stuff he does well absolutely he's better than i thought he was going to be when he came into the league he had a very good regular season but there are just aspects of you mentioned you said right. talent which yes there are just limitations physically to what he can do compared to what other people can do that would have me like I, I think it puts a little bit of a cap on your unless you unless you landed one of these years where yeah you know like like you said jimmy garoppolo got to a super bowl it's not like you can't do it but is that what you're going Jared for? Jared Goff
0: got to the Super Bowl in 2018, right? Got yeah. there. He was, that was the year he got punked by Fangio. He got punked by the Eagles. And then obviously we all saw the Super Bowl. And then they extended him in 2019. And then they won a Super Bowl in 2021 with Matthew Stafford. Right? I think that I can't stress this enough. I think it'd be a mistake to pay to uh, And I've been of that opinion for a couple years. Uh, I think it's a lot easier to recover from that mistake than uh, we realize. I, like uh, five or six years ago, like the Wentz $30 million dead sounded like like absolute hell on earth, right? It was like, they're, they're, they can't escape. Now it's like, yeah, swallow it and go. You know what I'm saying? Like, they, they Teams have gotten a lot better at working around that. The other thing is, is, okay, if they make the mistake, I think that they can recover a lot better. Let's say they don't make the mistake and it becomes known league-wide that the Mike McDaniel Dolphins-Tyreek Hill quarterback job is open. Let's say Kirk Cousins gets word that that job might be open. Is Kirk going anywhere else? Not a chance, right? And so it's a good job to land a guy if and when they decide to pull the trigger. So I think I think they're a lot more capable of re- a recovering from a two-a mistake than than than, uh, than I think it, the, the national perception would have it be, and B, they're probably also just more capable of winning with 2 than we expect them to be. They were really unhealthy this year, and that I think has to go acknowledged as they now exit the postseason. So that's why my Dolphins panic is not as close to the precipice as I think uh, it is for a lot of people.
2: Okay. Mine is much higher. Let's take a break and then let's get to your Cowboys one and then I'll finish with my Cowboys take. This episode is brought to you by Indeed. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. All right, we're back on extra point taken. Last thing on that, just Taron Armstead's all like they got some premium. Yeah. Taron Armstead, Jalen Ramsey, Tyree Kill. These are all guys over thirty. Like this timeline is like supposed to be now. So I don't know if they do anything this offseason or just run it back. But uh we'll talk more about the Dolphins throughout the offseason. All right, what's what so you think the Cowboys should be panicking, then I guess. The Cowboys
0: went twelve and five in twenty twenty one, and then they went twelve and five in twenty twenty two, and then they went twelve and five in twenty twenty three, and they have not. Yes, they have not yet to appear in a conference championship game, and I think that's highly problematic.
2: It's the only time it's happened, right? I think I saw that stat yes. somewhere. Yeah, only yeah, yeah. time. Oh, sorry. Won- yeah, I was supposed yeah. to. That was supposed to be the yeah. kicker of that. For forgot, <laughs> <laughs> forgot to say, that it's like story. two I- in the morning. It's okay. This hour, lasts late Monday night pod. All right, we're getting through it.
0: Yes. My uh, the the Dallas Cowboys. What's the uh, the hallmark win of the Mike McCarthy era with the Cowboys? What was that one win where you were like, man, they really overperformed my expectations in this game against a good opponent?
2: I mean, the Lions game this year was a great game, but it, I wouldn't qualify it as that. No, yeah. Has there been one? They killed the Eagles this year. I yeah, don't know. that beat the Eagles, but again, Eagles like that. that
0: yeah, that, yeah, that that game <laughs> felt like a big deal. It's kind of cheapened afterward. They. Honestly, I looking back on it, the the kind of the most impressive thing was the Cooper Rush rod to start 2022. Oh, hey, went with the backup. Nice. Like they haven't really done uh ha- had some wins where you're like, wow, like what a what a what a a, a defining win for the Mike McCarthy era. What a feather in in, in the cap for the Mike McCarthy era. Uh McCarthy uh, went and 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 hired Dan Quinn, right? Dan Quinn's going to be our DC, and Dan Quinn's largely been a good DC, and and they've been successful, and they've had a ton of turnovers, and they've been a top-ranked defense. Yet they keep running into Shield, the most common system in the league, in the Shanahan system, and getting deleted. Right? They and and they just continue to field lighter and lighter defensive tackles and lighter and lighter linebackers, and then wonder why they can't stop the run. Uh, the the Dan Quinn. Like, defense it has been solved for a bit. It's been solved since 2016. They're, they're just trying to kind of live on the talent of players offensively. Kellen Moore for the first two years. Then Kellen Moore's out of the building. Mike McCarthy's in the building. Dak Prescott had a ton of interceptions. Oh, now he's really good. Kudos to Mike McCarthy. Are we sure? Because it feels like it's just Dak making great throws, right? Uh, They went and they got Brandon Cooks. Like, that was the big addition to the wide receiver room. I think overall that was... Like uh, It didn't hit the way that they really wanted it to hit. They sent Amari Cooper out, uh, expecting Michael Gallup to kind of pick up a lot of that slack. I don't really think that hit the way they wanted it to hit. Jake Ferguson for Dalton Schultz was nice. Zeke Elliott out of the building. Uh, and Tony Pollard, he's going to be our bell cow back. I don't really think that was as successful as they wanted it to be. The Tyva Smith draft pick, left tackle to guard was nice. But overall, like I haven't seen really McCarthy elevate this offense uh, over three years. I'm not sure what, what what McCarthy's doing besides winning regular season games he should win. And and certainly winning them by a lot of points and very big home winning margins, and okay, that's great, whatever. But with, with Dallas, you've you've paid a quarterback in Dak, and he's very good. And, and you had a coach in Jason Garrett who was producing winning seasons. Like you already established that good in the regular season, not successful in the postseason, doesn't cut it. I I am a Dak apologist. I tend to think Dak's very good. Uh I don't feel like I've seen him with a great coach, right? Between Jason Garrett and Mike McCarthy, like a guy who can really prepare and shepherd a team through like critical regular season games and into the postseason. But also I'm getting kind of sick and tired of bad Dak performances in the postseason. And 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 what what's going to get his head right? Does it need to be a new head coach? Does it need to be a new voice in him, uh, in, in his headset? Like overall, if you look at the numbers, he's not bad in the postseason at all. But his last two multi-interception games have been the Niners loss and now the Packers loss, right? Like there's just been tough DAC performances in the postseason that are are that eventually that becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy it becomes uh, something that you're aware of as a team aware of as a building why haven't we had postseason success with the guy what I, I besides the Bill Belichick big swing there was like all they're gonna get Belichick in there okay well like Belichick is clearly an elevation on McCarthy He's clearly a lift over McCarthy besides that like what are you gonna you fire McCarthy and it's a higher Ben Johnson and you're just like, right, we're going to get a young offensive innovator. We're going to try to like, McVeigh this. Like, I guess, like, if you hit, you hit. And that's, that's incredible. But I, 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 they, they've been up against it for so long. They've been up against the ceiling for so long. You start to get exasperated. You start to just get flummoxed. You start to, you, you, reach the end of your rope, and you're just holding on, trying, hoping something's going to come for you. Like, Dan Quinn keeps being an issue for you in the postseason. But can you move on from Dan Quinn? His, the defense has been good. Dak Prescott's been an issue for you in big games. He's been an issue for you against the Niners from multiple seasons. But you can move on from Dak? Dak's Cliff good. he was an MVP candidate two months ago. Something in the alchemy isn't working here in Dallas. And there's one name I haven't mentioned the same way I didn't mention Tua in the Dolphins thing. It's Jerry Jones, right? It's, this is the football czar here in, in Dallas. And the football czar has not gotten to a conference championship game, Shield. And that's why if I were a Cowboys fan, I'd be panicking a little bit. Because I have now seen a lot of combinations of a lot of very good players make it to the postseason, and the, and the Cowboys continue to underperform and be underprepared under different coaches against different opponents. It's, it's very frustrating, and it's not an easy thing to diagnose. You just kind of chalk it up to, okay, the postseason's hard. This sucks. But I'm, I, was, I was born in 97. You know that, that one Dallas Cowboys Conference Championship game I watched? Me neither. It didn't exist. It wasn't real, right? It's not in my lifetime. And so, if you're, if you're Dallas, you kind of feel like you're you're you got an empty deck. So, what are we supposed to do about this? Where we just every year follow over ourselves in the postseason? It's very frustrating stuff for Dallas. So, I think Dak is good. I don't think Mike McCarthy's that great of a coach. And I think if they made a change, then that could possibly bring possibly bring good things. I think if they made a defensive scheme change a year after making an offensive scheme change. And maybe there's some positives out of that. And Micah Parsons, Trayvon Diggs comes back. They have some stars, but I don't know. I don't have a nice, happy, satisfactory answer for why they keep suffering in the postseason, what they need to do. And that brings me to panic. That brings me to a point where I'm like, all right, they're just a, 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 a team that is underprepared and not ready for January football. And they do it perennially. And I don't know what to do with that.
2: All right. Well, we, we eventually arrived, I think at the same place with the Cowboys. Solak, like, because my take for the Cowboys is, the Cowboys faced the trickiest offseason in the NFL. And right. it's, for, a good, it's that's a good, what you good,
0: said. A good way of framing it. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Because yeah, usually I'll name a team and I'll say, well, they should do X, Y, and Z, and then I'm proven wrong months later, but whatever, I come out with a strong take. I think I know it all. And I give you that. I don't really know what the Cowboys should do. I think, I don't want to I, I can't believe you have put me in the position to be a Mike McCarthy defender but I do think you were a little unfair there with your assessment of Mike McCarthy Jason Garrett did, did not have the sustained success in the regular season that Mike McCarthy has had they've won the second most regular season regular season games mm-hmm. in the last three years in the NFL which I think I said on the last pot I, I don't remember or not but second to only the Kansas City Chiefs so they have been a an excellent regular season team. Who cares when it's been 28 years when you haven't gotten past the divisional round? And so here's what I can't get past. This should have been the Cowboys here. Like other years we could put, all right. The, Dak played his, the best football of his career in the regular season. Played it's like an so MVP. So good. CeeDee Lamb. Elevated to a wide receiver one, like all pro status, unguardable, line him up in different places, yards after the catch, monster. Micah Parsons is in his prime. They held on to Dan Quinn. After, remember last season, oh, he's going to go coach that? No, they held on to him. They kept it. They had the two seed. They were eight. No. No. At home, and they had the two seed. You were supposed to be able to play two home games and be in the NFC Championship, which you have not been in in 28 years. And what happened? You completely choked. You came out as seven-point favorites, and you didn't even look like you believe This wasn't a fluky, like, oh, the call didn't go your way, a weird turn. No, you came out, and you got completely hammered by a seven-point underdog Green Bay Packers team. So you take all that into account, and I don't know what you do if you're the Dallas Cowboys. Dak Prescott's not going anywhere, but so like this Prescott thing, I don't know if people realize. He's going to the final year of his contract. He has mm-hmm. a no-tag clause. It's not one of the... He, he's His last contract he signed, no tag, no trade. You get Dak Prescott for 2024, and if he decides... And he built oh, hey, it Mike that McDaniel. way on purpose. Hey, yeah, if he, he might say, hey, Mike McDaniel... Your offense looks pretty good. You guys got some I money. I did. I it, did. We mutter mutter might have the just solve those problems.
0: I did mutter the words Dak Prescott, Miami Dolphins quarterback, to somebody this past weekend, just as an indulgence, as a treat for Ben.
2: Uh, that doesn't sound like a bad idea for anybody. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine. <laughs> that like a great idea for everybody. So you got that. So your options here are to extend Dak Prescott this offseason. You know what that's going to take? Top, top, top of the market. We're talking about between $55 and $60 million per year. Are you doing with that with a quarterback who has not gotten you out of the divisional round in the last eight seasons? Does Dak Prescott want to do that? Those are very tricky questions. If you don't do it, you've got a quarterback entering the final year of his deal, and he could just leave after 2024, and you've got no succession plan. That sucks. At coach, like I said, you got McCarthy's winning all these games in the regular season, has not gotten done in the playoffs. You might lose Dan Quinn, your defensive coordinator, this offseason. Like you said, maybe you get better. Maybe you don't. Do you take a big swing at Bill Belichick? Is that going to solve your problems? Is that going to be a marriage that's going to work? Bill Belichick with Jerry Jones and your personnel department? Doesn't seem like it's going to. I mean, it seems like, like Robert Kraft and Jonathan Kraft want to have more of like a Jerry, like not be Jerry Jones, but they want more of a say in their team. And that's part of the reason probably why they're moving on from Bill Belichick. So I don't know that that's going to work. So we're like, you know, we're what uh, a little more than 24 hours, maybe 36 hours, something like that uh, out of the Cowboys losing to the green Bay Packers. And I really have no idea what they're supposed to do. Like you could just convince me the best thing to do is just run it back with everybody. Go try to win 12 games again next season. Try to, you know, figure it out in the playoffs and maybe you get lucky next year. But they've been saying this for so long. Like think of when, where they drafted Dak Prescott and to not have gotten out of the divisional round when you got that guy in the fourth round. Think about where they got Micah Parsons, where they were drafting in that draft and they ended up with a guy who was going to be a Hall of Fame Defensive player, and you still can't get it out of the divisional round. Like I don't know what the answer is, um, but it's like like nothing would surprise me with i I feel like you did. You maybe just make a move at coach and and say a different coach um, will make the difference.
0: I think that's what you do, but you ha- you have to splash it. Yeah, I feel like it's got to in order for you to generate belief. You got to be like, all right, Belichick. I think if you go like, all right, like we're bringing in. Yeah, it's got to be a huge swing. Yeah, exactly. We're bringing in Steve Wilkes. It's just like, all right, you're just hanging out. Like you're just going twelve and five. I, I, sorry to Steve. It was the first name that came to mind. It was like establishment guy. I just, I, I don't buy it. Um, that's why. Like again, like it's a precipice thing for me. It's like I can see the the Cowboys this offseason going total snowball madness insanity. Like that. That to me is is very possible. Just because. When you are this close for this long and you don't get it, the, the, the amount of frustration that boils up in you leads to some crazy decisions. And good for content, might be bad for the Cowboys.
2: Uh, Cowboys first round pick for Sean Payton on his existing deal. Who says no? <laughs> uh,
0: the Broncos, right? Because they have they just traded
2: did, picks for him? I mean, you get out of Sean Payton's expensive contract. Uh, maybe it wasn't exactly How what hoped it going to be. How many picks did they trade be. for Payton? In year one, I don't remember exactly what it was. You get a first round pick back. Your roster's kind of, it's not a good roster. Like maybe you just, now there's this great coaching pool. I mean, I don't know. I might think about that if I'm the Broncos. You traded a first and a second, and you got
0: a third and Sean Payton, which means you'll have traded a second for a one-year rental of Sean
2: Payton. (laughs) Mm, Listen, they're used to dead cat with Russell Wilson. I don't know, but isn't it weird for years? We talked about how like this was his Jerry Jones's white whale with Sean Payton. And now it probably didn't line up by one year. Sean Payton back coming back in the NFL and Jerry Jones potentially needing a new coach. So uh, we'll see what happens with is there going to be All right, This is just me. It's now past 2 a.m. Easter time. Could there be a Cowboys Eagles competition to get Bill Balich? Could that be the story of the offseason?
0: The coordinated collapse of Dallas and Philadelphia really has, <laughs> has set up the next couple of weeks nicely. For like, all right, which one of these we thought you were legit contenders? NFC East race, how incredible. Who's blinking first? Who's doing the most bananas thing first? Lane Johnson, like uh, uh, Eagles players, after the Bucks' loss, were referencing the Cowboys loss. An example of like, see, like stuff just happens in the league, man. Like it's great. Like Lane Johnson was like, that Dallas loss, man. It's just like unbelievable stuff. Like, Is it? You guys know Dallas pretty well. Like, it, it's surprising. Is it unbelievable?
2: There you go. All right. So that was my third take. All right. What's the extra point take? And what do you got?
0: She'll. I have three things shooting. No, I'm, I'm fine. <laughs> oh,
2: <laughs> <are>. I'm <laughs> so excited.
0: There's there's not enough uh, future things <laughs> happening
2: to like actually. <laughs> That's generate. true. We got a long off season. Um.
0: Yeah. No, I wanted to to, to make uh, uh one remark uh that like I encapsulates that we've talked about several of these players, but it's okay. Extra point taken this week, coming off Wild Card Weekend, feels like the state of of quality young talent in the league is at like the like a peak of the last like four or five years. This feels like we're like really a special spot. Uh, I, I I can't help but watch Wild Card Weekend. And we go from just record setting most rookie receiving yards, Puka Nakua, in a playoff game. CJ Stroud is the youngest player, the uh, youngest quarterback to win his first postseason start. He's the fourth youngest quarterback to ever start a postseason game. He's doing that with Nico Collins, right? Who's, who's just. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, uh, emerged as this young receiver. Rasheed Rice is, is the only guy on the Chiefs who can catch a pass and run right around with it. Isaiah Pacheco is the running back the Chiefs were looking for for so long. Pacheco also late round pick. Pukunakua late round pick. You watch those Lions and it's just all, it, it, it's everybody that they brought into the building. Brad Holmes is brought into the building. It's Amon Ross St. Brown and it's Penne Sewell and it's Jameer Gibbs and it's Brian Branch. They have so much good young talent. This uh, Five years ago, we were still doing like okay, and it's the end of Brady, and it's the end of like even like Rivers still, and, and Matt Ryan still, and it, it, it's the end of Rogers. right? Like, oh, they go Rogers Rodgers is 35, 36. We were really still at, at an old guard of players, and then they were making the young guys around them good, and they were elevating those young guys, and, and, but they had veterans around them because you were trying to build veteran teams. You're trying to win with these guys on their last legs, and as those quarterbacks have phased out, and uh, Really, like the only old guy left who's killing it is Stafford, right? Like Stafford's 35 and it's just no look passes. He's like a hip old dude, right? He's, he's thriving. He's down with the teens, the youth. You know, he knows he knows the lingo. Um, altogether, it, you, I think you've really seen youth step up in the league, league uh, overall. And then in, in particular pockets, you're just seeing some of these young players really like uh, emerge as stars from the most surprising of places. And, and that to me is such a fun narrative of, of, of this entire season. And then particularly of this postseason, right? Like uh, it's Khalil Shakir stuff, man. It's Jalen Warren stuff, man. Like it's, it's some of these young players right now. I feel like we, we, in the last four, like last four or five years, this feels like the best it's been. It's been offensive skill positions. It feels like the best it's been. It feels like a new guard, right? We all decided like, all right, you know, it's going to be Mahomes, Allen, and Lamar. And now Stroud and Love are challenging our ideas of that. We decided it was going to be Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase. And now Puka Nakua is challenging our ideas of that. Like we, we are at a, unbelievable spot for young talent in the league and how much richer that makes the postseason. I'm, I'm really enjoying it.
2: I was definitely feeling that with the quarterbacks this weekend. I was like, we needed this. We needed like these yeah. new guys. I love this, that we have now Jordan Love and CJ And This stuff changes year to year. A year from now. A couple of these guys, who we think are great, we'll be saying, "Are we sure?" You know, like like this time last year, we're saying Jalen Hurts, like, "Oh my gosh, look at that Super Bowl performance!" And now we're saying, "Oh, you know, like okay that that wasn't great." We're saying, "Oh, Trey, you know, I picked Trevor Lawrence to win MVP this last right. season before the season, and like he did not have a great year." We don't need to get into a big conversation about how much that was on him. Justin Herbert is now just like totally like uh, under the know under the radar right. with these new guys coming up.
0: But that's the thing is like. Uh Herbert's second contract guy. Joe Burrow's second contract guy, right? Now it's like, all right, you're, you're in the establishment. They're always going to be in the conversation, right? It's the yeah. fact that that we didn't estimate Shroud to be what we estimated Lawrence to be coming out and and or love to be after he was cooking in the incubator there for three years. I really started first thinking about this when I was looking at the all pro list, right? And like there were a few spots where like, okay. Trent Williams, Jason Kelsey, right? Like, Zach Martin. Okay, there's, there's some spots where, like, no one's ever leaving. Christian McCaffrey, right? like The guys got the guys. But Amon Ross St. Brown made a first team, man. And, like, and Penny Sewell beat out Lane for right tackle, right? Cornerback was Sauce Gardner and Deron Bland. Slot was Trent McDuffie. Safety was Kyle Hamilton and Antoine Winfield. Kids are here, man. The kids are here. They are right now. And they are, they are lapping. Not lapping, but they are clearing some of the, the the guys that two or three years ago we thought oh the, these guys will handle it for forever and maybe two or three years from now down the road we're we'll going to be talking about some kid in college and and you know it'll be Ben had a short term take or whatever but I, I the all pro lesson and watching the wild card weekend man seeing Puka live was really the thing for me I was like this guy went in the fifth round and Ooh. he just dropped one eighty what a game yeah un- unbelievable performance uh, the state of youth in the league right now is awesome and that's good that's good sign and good news for everybody
2: just like a like an epic game. For Puka, I mean, this team lost, but my was takeover stuff in a sure, playoff game. He had, he had nine
0: catches on nine targets. It was the first game all season that a player was nine for nine. Uh, it's a hundred percent success rate as, as a target, right? And then on the 10th target, the Lions finally break up the pass, and that's the game winning play for them. It, it yeah, it, it took them 10 targets to stop him once, and it was the one that they needed. What a, what a moment!
2: That one in the middle of the field where he just rose up and was getting crunched and just fearless. Oh my god, that was a lot of fun. All right, that will do it. For this episode of Extra Point Taken. This is our last Monday night show of the season. But my really? goodness, oh, I yeah. think so, oh, right? I mean, like late, cheers. late Monday night. This right. is late, say, late. You don't late want to Monday get night. on and record at eleven next yeah, week. No, no games. Just no. do it for fun. We'll we'll do uh, much earlier. But uh, yeah, Solak and I will be back on. Friday for the next episode in this feed, where we will talk about the divisional round matchups, eight teams, four games for a chance to advance to championship weekend. And Hey, if there's breaking news between now and then, obviously we will have that covered here as well. Okay. Thank you to Christopher Sutton for producing. Thank you to Eduardo Ocampo for the video production, additional production supervision by Connor Evans and Arjuna Ramgopal. We will talk to you later this week on Extra Point Taken. Thanks for listening and have a great week.
0: Must be 21 Plus and present in Slack States. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fandle.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Kentucky, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Tennessee, Vermont, and Virginia. Call one 800 Step or text Next Step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777, or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700, or visit ksgamblinghelp.com in Kansas, 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net in West Virginia, or call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here.